What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome back to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. Wouldn't it be awesome if your life and your work could feel more easy and flowing so that you woke up every day and you felt like, oh, I know what I'm doing. There's more than enough time to do it. And I can just move forward in the flow. I know for so, for so many of us, especially when you're learning something new, like if you're just starting your business and you're trying to learn marketing and sales or anytime when you're growing your business and you need to start to change your behavior, it can stop feeling easy. It can just feel like, ah, I'm like going and doing and pushing and spending all this time working and you know, not seeing those results as fast as I would like to. We all hit this point and I find that it goes in cycles. So it's not like you cross that threshold once and then it's smooth sailing forever because as humans and especially as wellpreneurs, we love to grow and growing means doing things that are uncomfortable. And so we're naturally going to not be good at them and go back to being beginners and get on that learning curve again. And that means it might not feel so easy all the time. So this practice of letting it feel easy is really a practice. It's a daily mantra. It's something that you're bringing your focus back to that, oh, this could be easier. How can this be easy for me? How can I step into the flow? And there's lots of ways to do that that we talk about here at Wellpreneur. And one of my favorites is really connecting with the seasons and just tuning in to what's actually happening around you and aligning your life and work with that. That's what we do in my Alchemy in Action program, which is going to be opening up for spring enrollment very soon in spring 2020. If you want to be sure you're the first to hear when Alchemy in Action opens for enrollment, get on the wait list at wellpreneur.com slash alchemy. This week, we're also talking about stepping into the flow and making your work easier in a very specific way. This week, we're talking about heart-centered selling. Oh, I know, sales. Every time we have an episode on sales, it's really popular because I know it's one of those things that you can love and hate, or you love to hate, I guess. This idea of, you know, as a business owner, you need to sell. You need to sell your stuff. And so many of us as wellpreneurs are resistant to traditional means of selling because it just doesn't feel aligned. It might feel too pushy or too salesy, too just icky and unaligned is the best way I have to describe it. So that's why I really wanted to invite on heart-centered selling expert, Catherine Watkin. She's going to talk to us all about how we can approach sales in a different way that really feels good and feels aligned with us while also growing our business. 
If you'd like to talk about what we're learning in this episode, sales in general, sharing your stories about what's worked and not worked for you, then come over to our Wellpreneur community group. It's totally free. There's over 5,000 Wellpreneurs in there, which is amazing to me that this community's grown so much. You can find it on Facebook. Just type in Wellpreneur community and we can chat about this week's episode and whatever's going on in your business. But if you just want to promote your stuff, don't even bother joining because we don't allow that and we remove people that are promotional. So if you want to go over and really talk about what's happening in your business, ask questions, answer questions, talk about the podcast, talk about selling, all that stuff, the Wellpreneur Community Group is the place for you. So again, you can find that on Facebook, Wellpreneur Community. Okay, now let's get into this episode with Catherine Watkin talking all about heart-centered selling. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me. I'm very excited. So we met through a little bit of synchronicity at a book launch recently, um, and um, we have some mutual friends. And when I heard about what you did with heart-centered selling, I just knew you had to come on the podcast because that's such a hot topic for us. So I'm really glad you could take the time. I am honored. I'm really happy to be here. And, and yeah, and it was amazing meeting in the way that we did, like quite a spooky way. <laughs> <laughs> Synchronicity, totally. Yeah. So why don't we start off by telling everyone what you do? How do you describe what you do? So my business is called Selling from the Heart. And I say that I'm all about heart-centered sales. And what I mean by heart-centered sales is I work with people who've gone into business because their primary driver is making a difference or doing good in the world or getting paid to help. And they still want successful businesses. Um, But what I find with that group of people where the motivation isn't primarily the money is they often have a lot of what I call stuff around sales. And so I teach people how to sell in ways that feel very comfortable and very authentic to them. And I don't teach any of the icky, manipulative stuff that people often struggle with in terms of their values. Um, And I help them get, you know, I really, and and it's a very practical approach as well. It's not really a, a it's not like I've toned down sales to make it nice and soft and fluffy so it feels comfortable. It's like, no, this is really practical. It's very grounded. It works really well, but it takes away um, a lot of the sales techniques that get taught in traditional sales. I don't teach because this group of people don't feel comfortable using them. Yeah. Okay. I want to dig into that because that is, I mean, I think a lot of people out there will really resonate with that, that so many of like the really pushy, I don't know, especially, okay, I'll I'll get a specific situation and you can give us your take on it. So a lot of people listening do one-on-one services like coaching. And one of the ways to enroll people in one-on-one services is with like clarity calls or discovery calls, strategy calls, something like that. But a lot of the techniques that people teach around those can feel really high pressure, like trying to get people to sign right then. And I don't know, just I've heard a lot of things that just make me feel like, oh, it's so salesy and you're not really connecting with the person on the other side. So how do you approach calls like that? Do you recommend them and and how do you handle them differently? Yeah, well, what you're talking about there, I have a nickname for it. And um, I, I, I'm not someone who swears. So I'm just going to tell you what I call it without doing that. But I call it the buy now or F off approach to sales. <laughs> <laughs> and mm-hmm. that is very much the attitude. It's like you buy now, right now on the call. If you don't, you're not committed. And you're not my client and you can just F off because I don't care about a long-term relationship with you. I only care about whether you buy from me right now today. And 
not only do I not like that approach, but I've been at the receiving end of that type of approach far too many times. And it always leaves me feeling really shaken and almost violated because I've just shared all of this information and I've opened up and I've been very vulnerable. And then the per- it's almost the feeling that the person then uses that against you. Now, however, I also, so to answer your question, do I um, encourage people to use clarity calls and discovery calls? Absolutely, yes. And they're a great alternative to a standard sales consultation or conversation because it allows the potential client to come a little bit closer and have that conversation without fear that it's necessarily going to lead to a sale. How And I do teach that ideally you do want to be aiming to get a decision there and then on the call. That is your ultimate aim for the call is to get a decision from the client there and then on the call. And there's, I can give you all sorts of reasons why that's important. However, I also believe that we need to respect other fellow human beings and we need to respect other people's very different decision-making processes. And sometimes if you push somebody to make a decision on the spot and their decision-making process is such that they need time to reflect or feel into it or meditate on it, you will actually lose that person rather than being able to respect like and, and also that we cannot make somebody say yes to us. I don't it doesn't I don't care what anybody teaches. None of us can make somebody say yes to something unless they're fully, fully on board with it. So part of our job in the sales conversation is to guide the conversation in such a way that by the end of the conversation the potential client is fully on board with and emotionally committed to their decision. In which case, the end of the sales conversation becomes a lot easier, but also at the same time as trying to guide them to a decision to yes, as in that's your intention for the call, allowing for the fact that maybe that isn't the right thing for this person in this case. And sometimes if we give somebody space, the space they need to process, they'll come back the next day and there'll be a yes. And the buy now or F off approach is very short sighted and short term, I think. The other thing I've discovered in the beginning when I was doing these types of calls, I almost had like this air of desperation, like I wanted every, everybody had to sign up. But now I realize and and I handle them very differently because I realize actually not everybody's a good fit. Like aside from the fact about whether they're ready to sign up or not, not everybody is the best client for me to work with either. And so I think like going through that process is I found now it's much more of a discussion where I'm also trying to feel like, are is this the kind of client that's going to get the best results? Is this somebody I really want to work with? In addition to, are they really ready to do it? And all that standard sales stuff. Yeah. And also, you know, um, not only are you a good fit, but even if you are a perfect fit for each other, and even if you do the sales conversation absolutely technically perfectly, nobody has a 100% sales conversion rate. Mm -hmm. There will be reasons why, even if it's not the right choice for that person, there will be all sorts of reasons that might cause that person not to actually go ahead and work with you. And it's one of the things that I think when I teach this in my course, it it gives people almost this very different frame because what I find is that people really beat themselves up because they don't get 100% yeses or they're so scared of their sales conversations because they're afraid that they're going to be rejected and they're afraid of how they're going to feel if they get a no. But actually that understanding that even the very, very best salespeople in the world, even with the most ideal clients, nobody has a 100% conversion rate and we'll all have our individual rates. So some of my clients might know that 
it's pretty much it might be four out of ten. Other of my clients know it's going to be eight out of ten. And I always say, you know, if it's below four out of ten, you definitely need to be doing what you know. Anyone who's getting a, a below four out of ten calls converting to sales really need to be working on that sales conversation because clearly they're not doing it well enough. And then people just keep working on it and improving it and improving it until they're getting up to the you know, 70, 80, 90%, but 100% isn't realistic. And I think when people understand that, it suddenly, oh, you know, it doesn't mean I'm wrong or I've done anything wrong. It just means that sometimes somebody won't go ahead, even if it is the right thing for them. Mm -hmm. So what do you recommend that we do in those types of sales calls to make them really effective? Well, one of the biggest things I recommend, and, and, and this can't go without a structure. So I, like, so when I talk about um, really effective heart-centered sales conversations, there are these four key pieces that I say need to be in place. And I call them connection, safety, value, and the system. And so when I answer your question now, it, it only works if the other three pieces are also in place. But it's, a, it's really, you know, the most important thing I can teach is to come to that sales conversation from a place of service rather than self-serving. So instead of coming to the conversation going, oh my gosh, I haven't got enough clients and I really have to pay the mortgage this month and you know my, my kid's going back to school and I need the uniform and that this, this real almost a grasping energy and it becomes all about all about me as the person doing the sales or what if they don't think I'm good enough? What if they don't like me? What if they don't want to buy? What if my pricing is wrong? People have this entire internal dialogue going on and actually... It's very self-centered in that it's very self-focused and all about the person doing the sales. And if you can like just leave everything that is about you to one side, just almost let it fall away behind you and come to that sales conversation with just one question or just one thing at the forefront of your mind. And that question is, what is the absolute best thing for this person in front of me right now? And if you can come to the sales conversations with that energy all about what is best for this person in front of me right now how can I best take care of them um that is one of the most important things that you that you can do um I'm curious about actually booking in those types of sales calls this is a question a point of discussion that comes up a lot in our community especially with people just starting out like there's a whole bunch of ways to invite people into those conversations so you see some people charge for an initial session and then upsell to a package other people just say come do a strategy session and you know then we can talk about working together so it's very clearly going to be a sales session other times people will position it as something else like this is a breakthrough your weight loss session or something yeah. and then do a sales call at the end like what what have you found works best okay, so they all work equally well but they will work um they will be more effective for somebody depending on what stage of business they're at so sales ultimately is all about human psychology and human behavior it's not really about anything else it doesn't you know it doesn't have algorithms that change every few months because google or facebook updates something there's ways that human beings react to certain things and certain situations and what we're talking about with the three examples you've just given are like um sliding scales of barrier to entry in terms of how people feel about that commitment so if we look at so the way I do it in my business, because I have very, very little one-to-one -one availability, um, and so I don't, 
I'm not interested in having lots of sales conversations with people who might not go ahead. So I only have a standard sales conversation. It's like, if you want to work with me, you fill out an application form, which in itself is a barrier, and you come to that call, and you know you're coming to that call, and that there will be a decision to be made at the end of it about whether you're going to work with me or not. But that creates quite a high barrier to people stepping up to come to that call, because they're like, oh, but I'm not sure if I want to do it yet. And what if it's not right for me? And she's going to try and make me make a decision. It's going to feel really uncomfortable. So when you position it as a sales conversation, as a straight sales conversation, you will tend to find that people won't take you up on it unless they're already probably about 80% sure they want to do the work with you. However, most people need the conversation with you in order to know that they want to do the work. Then the next one I'll talk about is the like whether you, the discovery session, the clarity session, the possibility session, the health MOT, the, whatever the example you just gave is. I teach this to people who are like much early stages in business where they really, really just need clients and also they need practice in their sales conversations. I often say to newer business owners or who are in my program, I say, don't be or picky about who you speak to at this stage in your business because you just need to get really good at sales conversations. And the more of them you're having, the better you're going to get. And so when you offer those, people come with less commitment. They're not as serious. They're testing you out. Some people don't even realize that it is even a sales conversation. They just think, oh, Amanda's offering this amazing free session and she's going to give me some clarity. And I think she's wonderful. I'm going to take her up on it. And they don't even realize that it's part of your sales process. Other people do, but it just feels that little bit safer. If that makes sense. And I and I could talk about the paid one as well if you want me to. I just don't want to keep just talking and talking when you ask me a question. Yeah, no, no. That's that's really valuable information though. So I think for people listening, it's not like there's one right or wrong answer, but it depends on well, how many of those sessions do you need to be doing? How many clients do you want to get? Or like how yeah, and how much practice? How long have you been doing it? How what's your close rate, right? If it's below that forty percent, yeah. And how much of a barrier do you want to put up? Because if you say it's if you say the session is a paid session and there's an application form, you will have less people taking you up. If it's completely free and these you will have more people taking you up. So you'll have more, let's call them in quotes, time wasters. Some people like to call them time wasters, but you'll also have much more opportunity to convert people who actually weren't really serious. But once they speak to you, they realize they really need to do this work and they do go ahead. And by putting too many barriers in place, like charging money for it or setting it up as a clear sales conversation, you just hugely reduce the numbers of people who actually um, sign up for them, which can Mm -hmm. be perfect if you're at the same place in business where you and I are at. And we might not want to be having lots of sales conversations that that Mm -hmm. may or may not go ahead. Like I want, Mm -hmm. when people come to my sales conversations, they're sort of 80, 90% there already. So there's lots of different ways of how you set it up and things like pricing as well. You know, whether you would let people know the pricing in advance will also be different depending on what stage of business you're at and how badly you need to get the clients. And and Mm, so for some of us, for me, my whole sales process is set up. It's, It's all barriers, basically. I don't want anyone coming to have a conversation with me unless they're really serious because I haven't got time and I and I don't do much one-to-one and because most of my stuff is sold online these days and I just it's not part of my core business model whereas for somebody else who's who's got like let's say they've got eight eight spaces for new clients empty in their calendar they I would say don't put any barriers in place just find ways to have conversations with people for free because once they connect in with you and your work you, you have a much better chance of actually you know, getting someone who wasn't even serious to go, oh my gosh, yeah, I, you know, want to go ahead and do that. 
Mm. Now I'm curious, you you kind of mentioned it briefly, but about pricing and showing the pricing in advance. And I have to, I'm really curious your thought about this because I've gone back and forth over the years. Um, and currently I do have the pricing of my, because I don't work with many people one-on-one at all. And so I do put a lot of barriers in place, but I also put the pricing on the website because I just think I don't want to have conversations with people unless they know what they're going to get, like what the package is. But I know there's really different opinions on that. So what's your thought on showing the pricing? Yeah. And this question is actually probably the one area where I give sales advice, where I say it is really not clear cut. There is not necessarily one stock answer for everybody. And I usually encourage people to experiment with. Now, I always fall down on the do not have your prices on. That will be my Mm. my basic like fallback position is do not put your prices up on your website. Um, Don't let people know the prices in advance. And I can explain why. Um, However, you know, however, sometimes it does work better for people. And so I, you know, if people are really not sure, I often say, well, experiment, put your prices on for three to six months, and then take them off for three to six months to see what difference it makes. The problem with putting your pricing on your website is that your potential client will make a decision about whether or not they want to work with you based on price alone. Mm-hmm. So if I pick an example, let's just, I'm just going to pick a figure out of the air, you know, because when I often find when people are starting out that they might be charging 500 pounds for a package, but when they're further on in business, they might be charging three to 5,000. So I'm just going to pick a thousand pounds as an example. So let's say it says a thousand pounds on your website. Your client comes along and goes, oh my gosh, a thousand pounds. You know, they find you and they think, oh, my gosh, I'm captured by their message. I'm really interested. They read your website. They click around a bit. They find your price and they go, oh, my gosh, a thousand pounds for this. You've got to be kidding me. And they're off. They're gone. Whereas if Mm -hmm. you have the chance to bring them into a one to one conversation and during that conversation, you conduct the sales conversation effectively you will actually be able through that conversation to demonstrate the value of that thousand pounds so that the person who saw it on your website might react, oh my gosh, I can't imagine, a thousand pounds for that? Will actually have that conversation with you and start to realize, oh my gosh, a thousand pounds for that. That would be incredible. That would be the best thousand pounds I have ever spent. That would even be worth me not having my next holiday for. But they they don't get that unless, now, occasionally somebody might be incredibly skilled at writing their sales page or have a very very healthy budget to pay to have a sales page very well written but nothing converts like a one-to-one conversation and so Mm -hmm. the not having the prices however not having prices also becomes a barrier for some people so there will be some people out there who don't book the sales conversation simply because they don't know what the price is but your pricing can also be a barrier. So my pricing, like my pricing for, say, six months of business mentoring, which I'm closed for at the moment, is £5,000 plus VAT here in the UK. So for me, actually, that becomes a barrier, which is good for me because it reduces time wasters because I don't want to be talking to somebody who's thinking that it might be £500 when actually it's £5,000. But generally speaking, I would encourage people that instead of putting their prices on their websites, that they make they have a very, very clear and compelling offer to some sort of first free session that people can come to, which is where, so it makes a low, so it becomes a very easy yes for somebody to say yes to coming to that first possibility or discovery session. And it's during that call that the conversation 
that price happens. And then when the person's reaction is, oh my God, a thousand pounds for that, first of all, they're less likely to have that reaction because by now you've built and demonstrated the value. But you're also then able to have the conversation because they're there with you. Oh, that's interesting. You know, um, what did you think it was going to be? You know, you said earlier that it's costing you X, Y, Z. What would it be worth to you to fix? You can start to have do a bit of coaching around it. And very often you can take somebody from, oh my gosh, I wasn't expecting that much to, oh, actually, yes, I really can see that this could be the best money I ever spent in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I found something very similar, which is like, I didn't used to have my prices on my website and I did a lot more clarity calls. Um, And then at some point I just decided that actually, I really wanted to reduce the time that I was working with clients one-on-one. And so I didn't want to have as many clarity calls. And I found that actually it's much like when I just have my prices up there, I get a lot fewer, but they convert a lot higher because people know people, like you said, people have pretty much made the decision by the time they get on the call. Um, And this is a reflection of what stage of business that you're at. You're a more established business. You don't really need Mm. those clients in the same way. And that's what I find. Mm. I I encourage people to start out being almost as open as they can in terms of their availability. And then as they get busier and busier. So if a client has, you know, a wait list uh, or is booking two months ahead, well, she's not going to have the same sort of open availability for her calls as the person who actually really, really needs to sign up, you know, five, four clients this month and four clients next month in order to hit her targets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, that's really good to think about, actually. And for people, I like the idea of just experiment with it, you know, try for a few months, see how it goes and see how how it affects the number of calls you get and your close rates. I also wanted to ask you about social media because I see when people are uncomfortable with sales, they just think, well, I'll just sell my stuff on social media. Like, And people would just go on Facebook or something and just make all these offers like kind of to the universe, <laughs> like to the f- general Facebook audience, like trying to sell their stuff. And I don't think that generally works that well from, from what I've seen. So I don't know. How do you advise people about where to use social media in their sales or not or... What are your thoughts around that? Okay, so I started, I I was always laughing to myself when you started talking about social media, because um, you may not know this about me, but I grew my business to six figures and kept it there for the last eight years without using social media as a strategy in my business. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Um, And so this is something that it doesn't mean that clients in my programs or people in my membership it doesn't mean they're not using social media it's the message is that social media isn't automatic just because social media exists it doesn't automatically follow that it's that we all should be doing it so for some people it's amazing and it works beautifully and for other people it's not the most important thing and it hasn't been the most important thing for me and actually you know and just connected to that for me it's not about um is social media a good idea and does social media work I come from a place of every marketing approach works. So every different marketing strategy or approach that you see somebody teaching, it works. But it doesn't work for everybody. And where it's important to start is with the message. Because if you're on social media and you're doing a lot of, whether it's posting, whether it's creating Um, viral posts on your Facebook page, whether it's Facebook Lives, whether it's a group, whether you're going into other groups to network and build out your network of connections and then invite them. doesn't really matter what you're doing. What I see a lot of people do on social media is they're just wasting time because nobody 
lands on their profile and has this emotional response that goes, oh my gosh, you're talking about me. And so for me, it's all about that core message that if when somebody first comes across you and it doesn't matter whether it's on social media or whether it's offline or whether they've landed on your website because they click through from somewhere, the message needs to be so clear that you become like Velcro to your ideal clients. And so anybody who's doing a lot of posting on social media and they're calling themselves a transformational coach or a shamanic healer or a Reiki practitioner, it's just impossible to get traction when you're being very generic like that. Um, and so it's all, for me, it's all about the message, that if the message and what I call the captivating introduction, which is how you communicate what you do really clearly and succinctly so that your ideal clients absolutely know who you are and what you do, if you get that right, it doesn't really matter whether you choose social media as your channel or whether you choose networking or whether you choose walking down the high street wearing a sandwich board, it's all going to work because your clients are going to see you and go, oh my gosh, she's speaking right to my heart. Mm. And so in your examples that you gave there where they were saying, oh, I'm a Reiki master or a shamanic practitioner, the issue there is that they're using a job title, right, which people might not understand versus actually saying what they do for their clients. Is that what you mean? Yes, sort of. So like, I'm going to choose Reiki because this is a perfect, perfect example. And then the people can relate this to their own businesses because hypnotherapy is the same. Um, Reiki is a hugely commoditized thing, as in people treat it like a, a commodity. So if you're a Reiki practitioner, they'll go, oh, you're a Reiki practitioner. What? You charge, you charge £150 a session, but the Reiki practitioner down the road is £25. Why would I come to you? That people tend, and, and when you sell, when you try and sell your tool, I call it the tool or the, pro, the or the thing that you do, people will tend to commoditize it. I'm looking for hypnotherapy, so therefore I'm looking for the cheapest hypnotherapist in my in my local area. Whereas what I encourage people to do is instead of selling their tool, the thing that they do, to sell the end result that they can provide to somebody, because somebody might not want to pay for Reiki because and. Partly it's commoditized, but partly a lot of people's ideal clients don't, don't even understand what Reiki is. So they don't, they hear it and they just think, oh, that's a bit woo, or I don't really know what that is. Whereas if, for example, your client, you, so to give an example, this is a, um, what I call a captivating introduction that a client of mine who was a Reiki practitioner developed. Um, I'll see if I can remember it properly. It might come out a bit clunky, but he said something like, you know, I work with senior professionals in the banking industry who are struggling to get to sleep at night and I help them to get a full night's sleep so they can get back to being at the top of their game. It was a bit more smooth than that because I'm just doing it from memory. <laughs> but the point is that the senior banking professional might not take any notice of Reiki. They either don't know about it at all and so don't can't relate to why it's relevant to them, or they already know about it and they're looking for the cheapest option. Whereas that banking person is going to be, oh my gosh, that's me. I'm not sleeping anymore. Um, everything's struggling. I'm struggling at work. I'm slipping. I don't know if I'm going to get my next promotion. And you can help me get a full night's sleep at night. I want to talk to you. They don't. They don't care that it's Reiki. They don't care what the tool is you're going to use they don't care about your toolkit they care about the results so it's all about how can you sort of communicate the problem that you solve who you solve it for and the end result you can help them achieve really succinctly in a first introduction that gets somebody to feel oh my gosh that's me 
I feel like I need to know more. I need to click through and find out more. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, What do you wish everybody knew about sales? I wish everybody knew that it doesn't have to be anything like the traditional sales that is still mostly taught out there. Um, And I ran a fall in love with sales intensive very recently. And I actually had everybody actually sign a declaration to say, in my heart-centered business, I commit that I will never again learn to use or try to use traditional sales techniques in my heart-centered business. It was something like that. And I just think that if more people understood that that's not what sales is about, sales And, you know, I just want to make it clear there is nothing fluffy or woolly about what I teach. I'm extremely practical. It gets great results. I believe that my approach gets better results than traditional sales. But if, you know, people believe that in order that you have to close the sale, that you have to handle people's objections, that you have to get the decision on the call, otherwise game over. You know, the thing is, it doesn't feel good for the for the person doing the selling. But it certainly does not feel good for the person at the receiving end. It just doesn't really work for anybody. And that there is this other way of doing sales, um, which I call heart-centered sales. Um, and it's much more about the sales process being a partnership. Traditional sales is very much, they get me on my soapbox now, but I'll just finish. Traditional sales is very, very one-sided. It's very much about the salesperson saying, I've got an agenda today. I need to hit my sales targets. I'm going to close the sale today irrespective of what's right for you. Whereas the heart-centered sales approach, it's much more partnership. It's almost like, well, we're in this together. What's best for both of us? And if on that call, you as the business owner really truly believe that the best thing for the person you're talking to is to work with you, you don't hold back and you don't be woolly about it. You make it. You make a clear recommendation for why it's a good idea. You, you clearly um, communicate what you can do in terms of the benefits and the value to them. And you directly ask them if they want to go ahead and work with you. And if you're not sure, you don't shy away from the conversations about I can't afford it or I need to think about it. Like you go there and you go deep. And so but if if that is all happening because this is what I believe is in the best interest of this person rather than I'm doing this because I want the money in my bank account. I don't care about you really. That's what I wish people knew. I wish people knew that that is how sales can be. Mm, I love it. Oh, I think everyone out there listening is really going to like that approach because it's just so, it's so aligned with why so many of us are doing this work to help people. Um, So thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can learn more about your business and join your courses and all that good stuff. Well, the best place to find me, my online home, is my website, which is sellingfromtheheart.com. And that if you go there, there are two things that you can um, sign up for. One is my, um, it's called free training. It's the seven steps TS. So I've mentioned a few times in this conversation about taking people through a really effective sales process that is not pushy or icky. And you can get that process for free. It's a seven-step process. It's a series of seven three-minute videos. And you can actually learn that process from me. The other thing on my website is a quiz. It's called the Authentic Sales Styles Quiz. And by taking the quiz, it will help you to see why it is that you might be struggling with sales right now. But what's really beautiful about it is that for every, there's always another side to the coin. So very often, if somebody's struggling with sales, they're also naturally really good at sales. They just can't quite see it. So it will help you understand why you might find sales difficult, but it will also pick out those things that actually are your true strengths if you once you work on them. So um, 
that would be that would be where I'd say you start. I've also got a um, free Facebook group called Selling from the Heart, where I do a usually like either weekly or fortnightly. I'm not brilliantly consistent. I do a free open Q and A around sales um, and marketing generally. So, but the website, you know, all roads lead to the Facebook group anyway. So, sellingfromtheheart.com. Awesome. Catherine, thank you so much for being here. And I think you're going to see some wellpreneurs in your group very soon. (laughs) Well, they would be very welcome. I would love to have them. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can get all the links in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneur.com. And if you're ready to stop hustling and pushing and start living and working in a way that's more in the flow, feels easier, and really gets you results so you're aligned with your business and enjoying yourself as you're growing your business, that's a good thing. Um, If you're into that, I'd love to invite you to check out my program, Alchemy in Action. It's my membership for wellpreneurs who want to do well and be well. And it only opens twice a year and it's opening for spring 2020 very soon. So if you'd like to get on the wait list for Alchemy in Action, just go to wellpreneur.com slash alchemy and you'll be the first to know when the program's available for enrollment. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and I'll see you back here with our next episode. Mm-hmm.